As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to the 3-0 show. It is Thursday, September 7th. Rick Giroli here with Eno Saris. We are totally out of our league. DVR is not here. He is finishing up the second half of his much-earned paternity leave. So it is going to be Eno and I, two-man show, two-woman show. I don't know. How would you even say that? Two-woman? <laughs> also, it, it way, earlier, way. way earlier than usual. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So logistically, maybe a little tough, but we are here. The content is still here, and we'll be with you for the next couple of weeks talking about a really unusually busy time. You know, this is usually a little bit of a lull, I feel like, right after the trade deadline. But there has just been news after news after news, it seems, on the baseball front. Some good, some bad, some just really off the reservation in terms of things that nobody wants to think about, talk about. Um, some unfortunate things happening there as well. But we'll get into all of that. We're going to get into playoff teams that um, we feel like have a chance to win the World Series. We're going to get to teams that we feel like are fringy right now but could be dangerous if they get in. I think we probably are going to call time of death on the Padres, right? I think we're probably mm. done on them uh, and on their season. But first, you know, um, you wrote and you've been writing kind of a update on where things stand playoff-wise if the season ended today. Uh, and, and what has, in your mind, when you when you look at this kind of stuff, what has stood out to you about you know where we would be at, and what team do you feel like is still maybe missing from that playoff picture? I think what's kind of interesting is I don't know if it's recency bias, but in the last month, the Astros have scored more runs than anybody in baseball, and they just ran all through the Rangers. I mean, that was pretty intense. Like yeah. that was uh, a beatdown, as they call it, and. Uh, uh, they kind of start to look uh, all of a sudden like uh, like World Series contenders again. It's not what I thought most of the year. You know, most of the year I thought these guys are going to come in on a wild card, um, and I don't don't know if they have the pitching, um, and I still don't know if they have the pitching. But adding Verlander was a big deal, and uh, you know, you know that gives you a number one. They've always had uh, a sort of collection of guys behind uh, a number one like Verlander, so. Um, I think they look like legitimate title contenders, uh, you know, and this comes at a time when I think the guys who I thought were the most legitimate title contenders uh, that weren't named the Braves, uh, the Dodgers are reeling. I mean, uh, yeah. Clayton Kershaw's throwing 88. He does not look healthy. Uh, you know, he does not look like he he's fully healthy. I don't know. I think he, he'll be one of the most anticipated radar gun readings uh, when he gets steps on the mound again next time. Because eighty that that eighty eight two that he registered in his last start was the lowest velo of his career. So, uh, wow. so like that's a problem. And then uh, the the Julio Urias stuff is just uh, you know just really unfortunate and just terrible. Uh, I particularly hate that the first time uh, he got caught. Uh, basically, he said, "Well, there's no history of this," uh, and so now you kind of like, well, there is a history and. 
I think looking at precedent, we're looking at a hundred game suspension or more because uh, it's a second second time offender. So uh, that's uh, that's tough for them, man. They're they're they, they could possibly not have their first, number one or number two starters uh, in it for what they would have figured out as a playoff uh, situation. Um, and uh, yeah. so the Dodgers look vulnerable. The Astros are surging, and uh, the Braves are just uh, intensely good. And just you know, you're. <laughs> Almost the question is who could beat the Braves, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I feel like we don't talk about them enough because they're just always good and it's kind of boring, right? It's like, ah, yeah. the Braves are doing brave things. But uh, I want to dig into the Dodgers a little bit because uh, you had a great point about the AOS. It's an absolutely fascinating race, by the way. I think people were worried about Texas's pitching in April and May, and they're still worried about Texas's pitching, right? And how that's going to kind of shake out. Um, and, and certainly Seattle has the ability here to really kind of be a thorn in everyone's side. So um, that's a, a, going to be the division race to watch. Um, I think certainly down the, down the stretch these last couple of weeks, but the Dodgers had a spectacular August, like it's an out of your mind kind of August. And now here we sit September 7th and all of a sudden they are vulnerable. We are worried about them because for those who don't know, Julio Urias placed on administrative leave formally yesterday until further notice. Now, how this usually works is MLB is investigating. He's still being paid. He's getting service time. It's not an admission of guilt. MLB is investigating this. Now, he also has a court date at the end of September. He has yet to be charged, but he is going to probably be charged before that court date, right? It's a formality. So MLB usually can't get most of their stuff done, like talking to Urias, for example, until after the court system is done. So now we are looking at sometime in October. At the earliest, MLB doesn't like any kind of news during the postseason to break out. They don't like teams to say, we've hired this guy to be our bench coach. You think they want to announce Julio Urias' suspension or punishment if they find something? during? The, uh, no. So I think the Dodgers, whether Urias is guilty or not, and he's going to go through this thorough process, is not going to be with the Dodgers this season. And he's going to be a free agent. So it's almost like he doesn't exist anymore. You mentioned the issues with Clayton Kershaw. Now, all of a sudden... There's a lot of problems here on this team. They got absolutely trounced 11-4 to 4 by the Red Hot Marlins, who we're going to get into a little bit later in this show. But, you know, a few weeks ago, this would have seemed laughable because we were even talking about, I think, last week. Oh, the Dodgers are doing Dodger things again. But suddenly they look very beatable, especially in a short series, don't they? I mean, the rotation that I, I kind of think that uh, is going to go back on the IL. Like, that's, that's where I see that going. Lance Lynn uh, has, they have not fixed his home run problem. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, if I was building the rotation for a short series, I think I might go Bobby Miller, number one, uh, Walker Bueller, number two. I mean, who hasn't yet even started in the big leagues coming off of TJ and it's a second yeah. TJ. Uh, so I would want to have uh, maybe Ryan Yarborough uh, close after Walker Bueller. Cause I don't know how many innings uh, he's going to give me. And then, I don't even know who I'm. I'm starting my third one. Maybe Ryan Pepio, uh, who you know is an exciting young arm, yeah. but he has real command issues, and I don't know that he's necessarily. You know, people talk about like he's fixed them. I don't know that, that you fix command issues like that really quickly. So it's almost a, a, like a scramble just to to find starters. Uh, whereas before you were kind of like, mm, we'll have this, and then we'll have this, and then we'll have this. <laughs> yeah, doesn't yeah. look as good anymore. No, so it just really makes them very vulnerable at like the worst time of the season because we often talk about, listen, the best team doesn't always make, the best team doesn't always win the World Series, right? It's the hottest team. It's the team who's on a run. And yeah, the Dodgers may have won August, but as we sit here right now, it's not like they've got two or three guys waiting in the wings to take over. This is not a good situation. They need to figure out what's going on with Kershaw. As we said, Urias is not going to be a factor at all. So all of a sudden you're like, they could be a first-round exit, which, you know, I think a lot of people, if we had said that a couple months ago, people would have been like, okay. But they seem to obviously have righted things and went on this run and started to look like the Dodgers again. But as we know in October, it all comes down to the pitching. Offenses kind yeah. of go in and out. Uh, um, yeah. 
no, I don't know. You don't, I've, looked, you don't agree? I've, I've done the correlations. I've run the numbers. Here comes the nerd. But uh, I mean, it's just uh, hitting hitting is well correlated to success in the playoffs. But I just think that like when you're going up against the very best, uh, like if you're going up against the Braves or something, it's going to be hard for them to outslug the, the Braves. They even just had a series with them, you know, and uh, and couldn't outslug the Braves. So. Uh, you know, I think they might win a series just on their bats. They they score a lot of runs, uh, but I think in terms of like winning the World Series, I have a hard time seeing it with uh, this collection of arms. So, yeah. You know, the the, the Braves uh, do deserve a little bit more than a passing flyby mention. One thing that uh, was interesting, they came to town, and I got to talk to a few of them. Um, and, um, you know, they're going to break some records, uh, for home runs, at least the, the Braves record, uh, they're still within sights of, uh, the, the overall record for team home runs. And I asked Matt Olson, you know, why or how they're doing that. And, um, one uh, thing that he answered that was pretty interesting to me was we're all like different. You know, when you play, when you face the the Braves lineup, it's not like we're all the same disciplined, you know, you know, take a pitch, take a pitch, take a pitch, take a pitch, walk. It's not like nine Max Muncy's, you know, you we've got our more sort of disciplined guys like he was like, you know, I'm a little bit more of the like sort of disciplined guys. But then you also have like Acuna and Albies, you know, who are more free swingers, uh, but who can make contact on pitches that you didn't expect. And I think this is kind of important, especially when you uh, go up against, um, you know, some, maybe a wild guy with with great stuff. Uh, you know, a disciplined guy might uh, might actually mess up there a little bit because he might take some pitches that he didn't think were were strikes and or or, or miss on some pitches in the zone because the guy has great stuff. Uh, but uh, somebody like a, an Acuna might take a pitch that's five inches outside of the zone. But take it, but but not a great pitch, and and take it for a homer, you know, because he's free swinging. So just the different ways that they that they line up, and you know, righty lefty, uh, they have the kind of thing where like they, I don't know, they have you know, so many guys that are going to hit twenty homers. It's just every spot in the lineup has power and comes at you from a different, you know, high ball hitters, low ball hitters. So uh, that's that's something that I think uh, deserves mention. One thing that is uh, super sad around the Braves um, that, that makes me sad is that Mike Soroka uh, went down with injury again. Uh, the early prognosis was really terrible. They were talking about numbness in the fingers and that's kind of, uh, you know, something that you usually associate with thoracic outlet, which uh, can be a career ender. Uh, the good news, I guess, is that it's a forearm strain, uh, but this just tacks on to what has been, you know, just a, a a really tough career so far for Soroka. I feel so badly for him. I, I had a I had a pitcher text me from camp when he saw him the first time and said, "This guy's legit. He's he's an athlete. He can he can place it. He has really good stuff." Um, and uh, you know, just the the body has kind of failed him. Um, and I think that's that's a little bit of part of when you're talking about you know teams getting hot in 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 the playoffs at the right time. I think injury is the biggest part of it. You know, yeah. If, if, yeah. if Soroka could have put together, you know, three uh, healthy months this year, but they had happened to be September and October or two of them, uh, that would have helped the Braves. So, uh, you know, that's the Braves story is not one about injury, but uh, that is something that can happen in October and November. Yeah, no, that's a great point. You know who else is on, on pace for their team record in home runs that you wouldn't expect if they raised? Yeah. Are like without Wander Franco, and you know you'd be proud of me. I spent a lot of time today on Fangraphs looking at WRC plus of the Rays, and they actually without Wander, they have one, two, three, five guys that are over 125. Um, yeah. So at least 25 percent better than league average, which is really impressive. I mean, they have 14 wins in the 21 games he's been gone. They just took two out of three against Boston. Um, you know, you look at them, and they actually only trail Atlanta as far as season the season wrc plus that obviously includes wander franco but i mean if you look at this yandy diaz 154 isak paredes 138 luke Rayleigh 128 randy rosarena 126 josh Lowe 125 and they have three other players that are over 100 that are better than league average so we're now talking about just a really deep team and how many teams you know could lose their best hitter he's still their best guy in and war, their best <laughs> And their best arm in Shane McClanahan. They lost three-fifths of their rotation, really. Yeah. Rasmussen, right? And then they also lost uh, Jeffrey Springs. 
Yeah. So in, in addition to, you know, the relievers and, and the, the other injuries that happened to teams, but you look at the Rays and you look at the job that they've did and it just feels like to me, like it's underappreciated. Kevin Cash probably should win manager of the year, even though the Orioles are doing crazy things, right? How do you measure, how do you measure that? I mean, you had this discussion because it took me way longer than I thought it would to write about the Rays, but um, in terms, they're not up there in terms of IL stints, right? But when you look at like war, as it correlates to guys on the injured list. And then they are certainly one of the teams that has had to kind of absorb a lot of meaningful losses. Whereas I can't think with the Orioles of any meaningful losses. John Means is going to come back. He threw his last rehab start for Triple I mean, A Norfolk. Felix, Felix Bautista is the only one that really Bautista would be the one. Because Means they knew was gone because he had Tommy John surgery. Right. So this wasn't an unexpected thing at all. Bautista would be the one. But other than that, they've been a very healthy team. They're a very young team. Uh, but Tampa, you look at what they've done, 99.9% chance to make the postseason as we record this on Thursday. Three and a half games back of the Orioles. And they are missing so many guys and so many good guys that are, that are part of their core. It's, it's really incredible. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. And, you know, what's amazing about the Rays is I think just a real hand in glove, uh, you know, tightness between, um, you know, the player development side and their coaching side and their and their player acquisition side, because they always have a plan for somebody. You know, when they acquire Aaron Savali, uh, you know, they say, we like what you've been doing. Uh, but let's throw the slider uh, more than you have been. And his strikeout rate goes from 19% to 28%. And when they sign wow. Zach Eflin to, uh, you know, the biggest deal in, in franchise uh, history, which, you know, three and 40 is the biggest deal in race uh, franchise history. Uh, they say, we're going to emphasize the curveball more and they have him throwing it harder than he used to uh, and uh, throwing the slider less and, and throwing the cutter more. So, uh, you know, they, they have a plan for everybody that they bring in. And if you look across their team depth chart, really the only homegrown uh, player that is a, a huge part of what they're doing right now, I guess it's uh, the two of them is uh, Josh Lau and uh, no, it's Josh Lowe and Brendan Lau. Uh, yeah. The Lowe and Lau brothers uh, are the pretty much the only uh, homegrown guys. If you look at uh, their entire relief staff, uh, Pete Fairbanks acquired from the Rangers uh, you know, Stevenson, uh, Diekman was a waiver claim. I think Armstrong was a waiver claim. Diaz trade with the guardians, Paredes trade with the tigers, uh, Rosarina trade with the Cardinals, Siri trade with the Astros. Uh, Rayleigh was a waiver claim, I think. Um, so, you know, this is a team that's built on, uh, acquiring players from other teams and making them better. And it's, it's pretty amazing. It is. And, you know, I was talking to Diekman and he said that the Rays have like an aura about them. And I was trying to think, how many other teams have that same aura where if you're a pitcher, you know, you're going to get better going there. He, you know, like he said, Kyle Snyder, their pitching coach was like, man, just give me a month and buy in. He's like, I don't, I don't need to be convinced. Like do the Tampa Bay race. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. You know, and they told him they're right. going to change up more. And, and when you look at the success he's had versus Chicago, which, you know, we've talked about it, it is a mess. The White Sox are a mess. We've talked about that ad nauseum on this show. Um, but I don't know. The Dodgers maybe would fall into that category. Would Cleveland for you? If you're a pitcher and you get claimed somewhere, how many right. organizations would you just blind face say, yeah, whatever you guys want? I, I think Cleveland would count, but they, they don't have a, a long history of uh, doing that with veterans because they don't sign 
free agents that much. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know, uh, you know, if that really counts, uh, uh, Dodgers, I think, definitely are on that list. I think Giants, to some extent, uh, they've had some good history with Carlos Rodon and Alex Cobb, and um, you know, I think that the, the Giants are on that list. Um, you know, a sneaky team uh, that I think has done well, uh, you know, with with veterans. Actually, the Rangers have done pretty well picking up veteran starting pitchers and and having good seasons there. Um, and uh, I wonder. Um, you know, if the Mariners are going to join that group just because they've developed such a great in-house uh, staff that they, that's all sort of internal development, but yeah. um, you know, maybe they'll be, they'll, they'll convince people, but that buy-in is super important because one half of the, you know, the, the, the calculus when you're trying to, to do player development is the player side, you know, are they going to do what you, what you ask them to do? Are they going to believe in it? Um, or are they going to just listen to their private coaches and ignore your yeah. coaches? Cause that's, yes. the, there's more and more private coaches out there that are telling you, no, 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 no don't do that. <laughs> yes. Like if you go to those Chicago White Sox, are you going to be like, yeah, yeah, do whatever you guys said. You know, no. I've even heard of, Ooh. I've even heard of players, uh, that were on teams that have a, a poor reputation um, that where the team told them to stop throwing a pitch uh, and they didn't stop throwing the pitch. They just called it something else. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, there, the somebody was like, I thought, we, told, I thought we, to, we told you to stop throwing the cutter. And he's like, I'm not throwing a cutter, throw a slider. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. But there is that pull, I think, especially, and it's getting worse and worse between you know, the private coaches and certainly on the hitting side too, not just the pitching side um, and organizations, right? And you kind of have to balance that. And I think some organizations have earned the benefit of, yeah, you know what, I'm going to listen to you because everyone here seems to get better versus, you know, organizations where it's like, what have you actually done? And I think we can put I the feel, white feel, basically in that I bucket. feel really badly for like national, like, uh, like team. National. Like pro, well, no, yeah, I do. But the pro, we'll pro, team, later. <laughs> pro team level, like hitting coaches, you know, because um, you get fired. First of all, like you're, you're, you, yeah. your average tenure is like an, a year and a half, two years. So you're the first on the chopping block, but imagine you're tasked with like, like you, you, you take over a team and the, you're like the Mets or something. It's right? just an example. Right. And you're like, Oh, I'm the new hitting coach of the Mets. Awesome. You get to the team and you're like, well, Lindor has a private coach that he flies in every other day, you know? So don't yeah. talk to Lindor. I'm not, I'm not saying that's how it is. I'm just saying. Alonzo. Like, yeah. All you, of know, them, yeah. you know, don't touch Alonzo. He's fine. You know? So like, you're like, what can I do then? <laughs> you know? yeah. And the kids are like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I've never heard yeah. of you. They're like, none but... of the veterans listen to you. And then the Mets do poorly and you get fired. And that right. is and how... This is not, to be clear, it's not an example specifically about the Mets. It's just sort of like, what if you did land in that situation? You know, be, yeah. you know I'm, not, I'm not saying these things are true of Lindor and Alonzo. It's just that's how it works as, as a hitting coach now is, you know, you know, you have your guys you can talk to. And then you, you one of the things I think the Giants have done that's really interesting is they have 15 coaches. So it's like, you know, we're they're just throwing numbers at it almost. They're like, you know, yeah. we think you'll like one of these guys. <laughs> Is that too many, too many cooks in the kitchen? I don't know. I did. We did. I want your opinion on this, you know, because uh, this was a topic the other night when I was on this. And why? Because the baby nets have done so well, some of them in a short sample size. Right. You've seen Ronnie Mauricio come up. Uh, you know, Vientos, Beatty, Alvarez, you know, have, have been up in various capacities. Now you got DJ Stewart, who may or may not be a flash in the pan. Um, but people are like, well, what about the Yankees? Because they've got Volpe and, you know, some other younger, just on Dominguez, people are salivating over a less U.S. power. Um, who do you feel better about, the baby Yankees or the baby Mets? Right now. Yeah, that is fascinating. Um did I just put you on the spot? Yeah. No, no, it's great. Uh, I like, uh, I like out of all the players, I think uh, Jason Dominguez is the maybe the best. I don't know if this, this is a recency thing, but I also, you know, I've, I've been sort of watching his career, and I think he's been under underrated in the minors. Uh, one of the few things that you could say about him is he misses uh, misses the ball a little bit too much, but that has been something he's been uh, improving greatly this this season. Uh, so I think I take Jason Dominguez number one. Uh, number two could be a tie between Anthony Volpe and, and Francisco Alvarez. Uh, they are somewhat similar offensively, you know, like kind of like hit homers, 
uh, and, yeah. and, and take and take walks. Maybe not a great batting average in, in the long run. Um, and, and a premium position. So you one has a catcher, one has a shortstop. Um, so you know it might be the 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 lower half that uh, determines it. But if you got if you give me Jason Dominguez, I, I think I'll take the Yankees, uh, baby bombers. I mean, there's still Ooh. a chance that Beatty or Mauricio, uh, you know, become the best player out of all of them. But for right me right now. Uh, the Yankees have the number one guy and the guy tied for number two. So that, that you know what? I have the edge to the Yankees. Interesting. So Alvarez, I love like, Alvarez. And also and how different like is this from position. like a week ago? Would I've given you yeah. the same answer a week ago? It, you know, recency bias is one of the hardest things to think about. It's just like whatever is happening now is freshest in your brain. And you sort of forget what happened like a week ago. You're like A week ago, I might have been like, man, the Yankees are screwed, you know, but now. With Dominguez, I'm like, man, this this could be a good this could be the guy. You see him next to Judge, and you're just like, oh yeah, like the young star with the old star. Volpe has quietly put together a really like solid season. This is he has, yeah, he has in the big yeah. leagues, and he's been he's been really good uh, defensively and offensively. He's finding his footing. So uh, all of a sudden you're like, oh, we have a shortstop, we have a young shortstop, we have a young center fielder, and we have Aaron yeah. Judge. Maybe things aren't so bad in the Bronx, you know? Yeah. I, it's funny because I think if the Yankees weren't having such a down season, people, like if they were having a good year and Volpe was hitting ninth and like people would be like, wow, this guy's doing great. But because they've had a bad year, people like expected him to be Aaron Judge now almost, right? Yeah. Um, but if you look at the numbers, it is very encouraging what he's been able to do in his first year. You know, what's crazy though about Vientos is he uh, hit, hit a ball harder than any other Met this season already. That's true. He has Which some is, serious contact issues, though. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, so it's going to, like, who's going and to develop defensive these ones. Guys, like, right? where yeah, do you think yeah. he plays where long Where's he going to play? Sure. Um, yeah. He's been at second a little bit. I know Buck has wanted him at third. He's kind of lost that battle. That's obviously a team going through a lot of transitions. Seems like David Stern is coming with more of an, a win than if, right? It would be a huge disappointment after all of this David Stern stuff. David Stern's goes to Houston. I think I think this is yeah that would be <laughs> because I think he's like it's it's bordering on tampering. I mean the the, the stuff that uh, Steve Cohen has said. Like I think he literally was quoted as saying, "I'm waiting." <laughs> Pretty much. Like, I mean, you're not, well now say that. that guy's under yeah. contract. <laughs> now he's allowed to talk to teams. Uh, as the Athletic, Will Salmon and Ken Rosenbaum reported the other day. Once August ended, there's that little clause in his contract now. Um, where he's like a, an advisor to the Brewers, where he's now allowed to talk to other teams. So it is not tampering any longer, but yeah, it was definitely borderline illegal for quite some time. Borderline gray yeah, area, which yeah. is where much, most of this sport lives in the gray area, I feel like. It's true, but uh, you know, the one I have a great amount of respect for Stearns, and the reason that I do is that. He was, uh, you know, out of the Lunau tree, sort of like he's he's related to that Astros, um, you know, championship. He was he yeah. helped build uh, some of that. But I don't get the same uh, cutthroat consultant vibe that I do from Lunau. You know, like he's not yeah. uh, he's he's uh, a little bit more. Like, for example, uh, I was talking to Stephen Vogt, uh, uh, you know, a, a good friend of mine in the game. And uh, he mentioned that when he got to Milwaukee, David Stearns was there. And, and th you have to think, this is Stephen Vogt is not like a huge acquisition. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I hope he doesn't listen to this video. Hey, man. <laughs> but like, you know, this means that like when they picked up a like a possible backup, you know, catcher. David Stearns went down to the clubhouse. This is something that I noticed, at least that, you know, uh, general managers don't do this during media availability, but like how often do you see a general manager in the clubhouse? Like very Depends on the GM. It used to be a real regular thing, but in this day and age, yeah. Dick Williams, I used to see in, in the clubhouse. some. Uh, Billy Bean, I've seen, I've, I've been there for forever and I've seen him once in the clubhouse and he was looking yeah. for a towel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lots so, of GMs don't like to, be down there because, you know, they have to make the tough decisions. They don't want to get too close right. to the players. I saw Farhan um, come down and give Alex Cobb a hug for his near uh, no-hitter. Uh, you know, uh, so, I mean, it, I can kind of sort of rattle off the times I've seen it. So I, I think that Stearns, and, and for, I talked to other players, too, that said that um, 
the Brewers have a, a real, uh, you know, over the last few years, the Brewers have had real um, concern for the lives of their players outside of the outside of baseball and um, have been really uh, sort of uh, think of them as human beings as well as players. Um, and so that gives me hope that David Stearns is the rare uh, kind of executive that can um, think about things in terms of efficiency, because on some level you do want to spend your money right. Um and but he also knows about building uh, player development and building uh, from the ground up. Um, and uh, he also has an eye for, you know, the people's people as human beings. So um, I, I have a, a hope for him for to be the, the guy that can turn this around for, for New York. They need somebody who has built before, you know, and he has built. Before. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so interesting. I feel like with this wave of GMs was all predicated on the, the success of Theo Epstein, right? Of the young Yeah, there are trees, right? guy. Yeah, the young analytic guy who also happened to be, I mean, Theo is, is an excellent public speaker, right? He's great with the media. He's very politician-esque. He presents himself well. He's very smart. He's very gregarious. Um, and I think ever since then, front offices have wanted basically to clone him. And sometimes that's worked out. And lots of times, though, you've just gotten the GM who is, as you said, like just, just analytical, just robotic not able to do the other part of the job, which is also important, right? So, mm. you know, if Stearns is that blend, that wouldn't surprise me because he's been, he's so respected in the game. He's well thought of. Um, and he's done, a, he did a great job with a very small market budget conscious team. What would he do with the Mets, right? You kind of are like, whoa, God, what would he do with a lot of money, right? Um, I mean, you have, you have I, I think, I think you're totally right. And I think if you think, if you look at it, there are like certain just like trees of success. Once an organization has success, uh, all the people around that person uh, that was in charge uh, get jobs. And so you have yes. the Theo Epstein tree of success. And I think that includes, does that include Ben Charrington? Like yes. through Boston? Yeah, I think. I think so. And then it yes. includes uh, uh, Jed the Hoyer, who's now on the Cubs. Yes. Mm -hmm. um you know it includes uh uh there's got to be some names i'm not thinking of there's some names that are not in baseball right now that, that it includes um uh, but then there's also the astros tree of success that includes uh uh mike elias and sid Maydal coming from uh uh from the astros to the orioles uh there's mike fast. another tree mike fast is over in uh atlanta he came from the astros Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then there's the Andrew Friedman raised tree of success. So you have the Friedman at the Dodgers and Heim Bloom, uh, in, uh, in Boston. So, uh, James there's Clicks, these, like, Eric Neander. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 You have these certain yeah. like trees of success, which like once you've had some success, like you, you start getting poached and those guys, you know, those people have teams. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, it's not like, um, uh, it's not a, it's not a guaranteed thing, but I think Stearns has done enough in his own right. Really. It's not necessarily just the Astros aura. I think what he did in Milwaukee is, is, mm -hmm. is, is his own thing, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. It's so interesting though. Cause if you think about it, um, we were talking about this the other day. Uh, I, well, I was anyway, with someone in the game, like you look at the GM job openings and there shouldn't be that many, right? There could be a lot of managerial openings though. If you think about it, both New York teams could be open. Mm. Uh, Francona has made it pretty clear that he's retiring. So now there's another opening. And then you look at like, okay, could people be fired? What about the Angels? Does Phil Nevin last? Is Perry Maniason no. last? His contract is up. That could be another free agency opening, right? Um, what's happening in San Diego? Do both Bob Melvin and AJ Preller make it through this? I could see it. I kind of, I kind of think so. I think yeah. maybe like one last hurrah because of the way the team is built. They got Soto one more year. I mean, how many managers can AJ Preller fire? Uh, and I don't think you can necessarily blame their record on one run losses on Bob Melvin, who had a, a stellar uh, record yeah. in one run loss in one run games before this. So, um, yeah, that one that one's uh, really interesting to me. But I, of all those jobs you mentioned, sort of managerially. Um, I kind of like the guardians one the best because if I'm a, a person that wants to be a long-term manager, I want to link up with like a sort of player development factory. I want to link up with someone that has a young team. 
I want to be like the Kevin Cash of, uh, of, yeah. of a new team, you know, where I come in and I say, I'm in lockstep with the front office. We talk to each other. They take my input. Um, I've got a young team that's going to be getting better. Uh, and, uh, and I'm going to stick here for a while. And then, and they're going to give me five years as opposed to, you know, taking a job in, in New York or something. Um, you kind of feel like you got, uh, six months. <laughs> you yeah. Know, you just want to be in the central, you know? <laughs> you just want to manage no, we're not, the central. We're not allowed to say, we're not allowed to say anything bad about the central. Oh, why? <laughs> Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, also, just, um, speaking of openings, the White Sox, Pedro Grafal, does he say, right? Uh, that's another interesting one. I he's, don't he's think had so. Some but... really public missteps that I just, uh, yeah. you know. He's like he publicly says, "Oh, Michael Kopech is is a starter. There's no way that we're, we're trying him in the bullpen." And then, like four days later, he's like, "We're trying Michael Kopech in the bullpen." You're like, "Are you not talking to somebody? Is somebody not talking to you? Like, yeah, what, what's happening here?" I mean, the reports that guys are missing meetings. I mean, that's all at clubhouse. And Milton comes issue. and says, "Your closer's asleep in the in the in the in the bullpen." Like, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't him. doesn't look good for him. Plus, you 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 may want like Chris Getz may want to you know have you know his people in in the places that he wants them. Yeah, he may. So I don't know. It's interesting. I was thinking about it though. There should be some at least a handful, right, of of managerial openings. There's going to be some movement um, when you think about this. I wouldn't be surprised actually if the Yankees' job goes up. I don't know. There's. Um, you know, I think Aaron Boone's done a, a fine job, but uh, if you are transitioning to younger players and, um, you know, you, you feel like there's been something missing there managerially, I, I don't, I know for sure that like listeners, some listeners here are like, yes, like he needs to go. Yeah. Like there is definitely a, a contingent of Yankees Twitter that has been calling for his firing for a long time. I, I I don't necessarily think that managers have that much of an impact on on the team. I think it's mostly about like honestly, it's the hardest part for me to analyze. I think it's mostly about vibes. <laughs> I think managers are like yeah. vibe managers. You know, they're like they they talk to the media, they manage the vibe there, they manage the vibe in the clubhouse. They 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 have to be very specific and 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 careful about their uh, criticism. You know how yeah. they how they put any criticism out there, uh, or if they defend their players all the time, um, and then they have to be careful about their vibes with the umpires because I I think for sure there are uh, like maybe Aaron Boone might be disliked by umpires. Like I I kind of that could be there is a vibe management there between the player between the umpire and and the uh, manager, right? Yeah. And I, I they've got to have there got to be ones where it's like oh this guy's always blowing up on me I don't like him you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. All it depends on though. It's like what me and you think don't matter. It's all about ownership and that level. Right. And it's so interesting. That's another how, vibe you got to manage. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting how these vibes change. Cause I think going into the season, you know, I, I read people saying like, well, Davey Martinez on the hot seat, probably going to get fired. You know, they're going to try to sell the team and Davey signs a three year extension. extension. It's two years plus an option 
but there is a lot of drama going on in the Capitol. You know, um, as I reported yesterday, well, I reported yesterday it was six, six scouts. Um, it's actually more than a dozen people that have been fired um, or been told that, hey, you're not coming back next year. However way you want to package that news um, in the national. What are, what are the rules? Uh, it's all scouting, special assistance. A lot of special assistance to Mike Rizzo, scouting, cross-checkers, so uh, four because... people in the international department. Uh, Johnny DePueglia, their VP of um, international scouting over the weekend, was told, like, hey, you ain't coming back. So he up and quit, resigned before this all went down. And then yesterday, the rest of the other two drops all the self goes. Now, what's crazier, you know, is that Mike Rizzo still hasn't signed a contract extension. So... Yeah. Also, uh, what's crazy to me is they're firing their scouts. And I was just about to say today uh, when I was thinking about what we we're talking about on the show that um, the rude thing I was thinking about saying, uh, and I'll just say it, is, uh, is this a replacement level rebuild? Uh, I, I, what I'm suggesting is that like there's not a lot of art to this rebuild. It's just trade your best players for prospects and just wait to see who works out. But I yeah. will say the, the, the one thing that they've done well is get good players in those trades. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even, I didn't think CJ, I didn't think CJ Abrams could hit for power, you know? And I don't think there was really an analytic that said, this guy's going to hit for power. Like there was not really anything. He hit the ball super softly, but he's filled out a little bit. He's taking bigger swings and he's hit for more power this year than I thought he could do. Uh, you talk about James Woods. I thought this guy's not going to make any contact. He's like six foot eight and like, you know, he's already missing the ball and he doesn't make a ton of contact, but he's still stealing bases. Looks like really athletic and looks like a, uh, like a real player, you know, Mackenzie Gore. I wasn't sure about, he he looks like a legit major league pitcher, at least Caber Ruiz. The first half of this year looked like, Oh, what have we done? Like this guy can't hit the ball hard at all. He's just started pulling fly balls and now he has 16 homers. That's like, you know, eight more than I thought he might put up for the year, you know? So, yeah, you know, uh, I would say that I don't, I still don't love their uh, player development process, but you know, their rebuild has found them lane. Uh, lane Thomas is the found guy that you find off way waiver wires. They also picked up a Jared young on waiver wires. So they, they're, they've been working the waiver wires. Their trades have given them CJ Abrams, up the middle guy, uh, and Cabert Ruiz, two up the middle guys, uh, and and a pitcher. So you know they haven't been doing anything that many things wrong. And I would actually say the scouts probably helped them. Did yes, the scouts, the help scouts them are how Abrams? they made those trades. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And two, what's crazy is two years ago, you know they, you know a lot of teams pared down COVID. Two years ago, they said we're going to make a big push for scouting and development for the three build, and they hired most of the guys who were let go yesterday were guys that had been hired two years ago to beef up this department. So so maybe it is about player development somehow, but you're, you're still saying that there's mostly scouts that was fired. That doesn't make sense. I would be looking you at player development. You didn't make any changes. Yes, no changes on the player, like in, the, in that avenue, which I agree with you, it's antiquated. And what Mike Rizzo has done and should be commended for is he's made difficult trades, and he has made what looks like right now shrewd trades. How many people... Mm-hmm said, hey, you can't trade Juan Soto, you're going to get fleeced no matter what. And he got crushed early on for getting fleeced. But it looks more and more like they got some really good players out of that deal. You mentioned James Woods. Apparently, that was like the one guy that they, the scouts in the Padres system said to Preller, do not trade this guy. Like, mm-hmm. people really liked him. They thought well of him. They think he's going to be a star. Um, and you're right. Their rebuild has gone quick. And I think people and fans in particular have been very happy about that. Like, they are over 500 in the second half. Um, they could be a team that is competitive, maybe even as early as next year. But under the hood, like you said, it was not because their player development got better. It was because they made shrewd trades to jumpstart all players. this, to bypass yeah. all this, right? So it still is the issue of what's going on in the drafting and development world, right? There still is that problem. They've been able to kind of reroute all those concerns and say, look how great this rebuild is. Because they had Juan Soto, Max Scherzer, and Trey Turner to deal. But there's no more of that. Um, and they're, they're going to have set to find a way. They're almost set up to do what Rizzo did last time, which is uh, have a great, you know, young core of bats and then spend a poop ton of money on starting pitching because they can't yeah. develop it. You know, yeah. the problem yeah. is they'll still be paying the guys that they p- pay- paid for last time because they're going to be paying Strasburg <laughs> forever. 
and uh, they deferred a ton of money, right? Didn't they defer a yeah. ton of money for Scherzer and, and Strasburg and Corbin? So well, even after it, those yeah. contracts are done, they're still paying them. For a long time. Strasburg, of course, is going to officially retire on Saturday at Nats Park. Corbin has one more season after this year, at least in person. But you're right, they're going to be paying him for a very, very long time. Um, Scherzer as well. So, yeah, it's just a fascinating, fascinating situation going on there. But one more thing I want to get to before we run out of here. You had mentioned, you know, you love this exercise. Um, you are good at this exercise. Teams that are not in the playoffs that you feel like are still lurking that could be playoff teams. I feel like you always have an opinion on this and you always have those numbers to back it up. Whereas I'm just like, ah, I think this team should be better than they are. Who do you got? <laughs> well, I, mine's super easy. It's super exciting to hear that Jordan Lawler was uh, called up uh, uh, for the Diamondbacks because they have a real obvious need uh, at shortstop and you know, just adding uh, a little bit of offensive uh, power to this team, uh, uh, I think could put them over the top. Once you put Lawler in at short, uh, the only place where you're sort of mixing and matching to make it work is at third base with Evan Longoria and Jace Peterson. And now you can throw Geraldo Perdomo in that mix. Um, so you've got, you're throwing three interesting guys that who all have three different strengths. This looks like a legitimate lineup to me. They have a pretty good rotation. They have a bad bullpen, but I think over the course of, you know, 30 days, uh, you know, a bad bullpen, yeah, we saw the Nationals win uh, win it all with a bad bullpen. I feel like you there are ways to uh, uh, to paper over that uh, or just get lucky in the bullpen uh, that uh, they'll be fine. The the of course the flip side was uh, I was very excited uh, to tell the Diamondbacks that they didn't have to worry about their forty man roster situation and they could just call up uh, Lawler any moment because they could just cut Nick Ahmed. And uh, I feel bad today. I feel bad today because I saw a, uh, uh, an interview with Nick Ahmed where he's crying and he's talking about how long he's played with the D-backs and how long he's been there. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, he has 10 minutes to like clean out his locker type situation. I and, did see that. and I feel so badly about that. And I'll pair that together with uh, Steven Strasburg, uh, you know, the end of his career um, and, uh, and the Mike Soroka uh, stuff. And I just, you know, um, the sad side of baseball is not something we like to talk about because it makes us sad. Uh, it's much more yeah. interesting to say the D-backs are going to surge. They have this weekend. They have the Cubs. Uh, and if they can if they can sweep the Cubs uh, with their new shortstop, uh, you know, uh, they'll get right back in the mix. I think if they sweep the Cubs, they'll be one game out. Uh, so it'll be yeah. a real tight uh, finish between them and the Cubs. Um, but the, the flip side is that when somebody's coming, somebody's going. And so – Cheers to Nick Ahmed, who built a career on outstanding defense. Um, I bet you he, he still gets a couple more shots as a utility guy, backup uh, defender. Um, I, I don't think his story is fully written yet, uh, but I don't think he's a starter anymore in the league. And uh, when you've got a chance to make the postseason, it's slipping between your fingers, and you've got Jordan Lawler, a top prospect, ready to go. I think you you got to make that move. Yeah. Pour one out for Nick Ahmed. Um I agree. So my lurking team, it's kind of tough because there's so many teams in and out of the wild card right now. Um, mm -hmm. we, we mentioned the Marlins earlier, but they're not a lurker because they slid into that final wild card spot. They've won six in a row. They've been a really interesting team to watch. But who they I think is going to – Sandy Alcantara and Jorge Soler. And Jorge that's, Soler. That's a pretty yeah. double – that's a double bad situation. It is. Then they go out and beat the Dodgers. So they're going to have to find a way to – make up that anyway. offense. I don't, yeah, <laughs> the pitching is a little less concerning because they've been so good historically at uh, being able to pitch. Uh, but they did get Jake Berger, Josh Bell. They want, got adds a little thump to that lineup. I think they're hoping that they can kind of hold serve here for a little bit. But for me, it's the Reds because their schedule down the stretch is just ridiculous. Um, they have 20 remaining games. Only three are against the team with a winning record. As you know, Whoa. once it comes down, yeah. So they that. are they are a fringy team, sure. Oh, but then you look at their the schedule. Tigers, uh, the got, they're they're gonna. I think they're gonna sneak in, and a lot of that is because of you know they're half game back of the Marlins as we sit here and record this. Um, 
I, I mean, they just they had a bad series against the Mariners. I mean, they did they did win one, but the the uh, oh they won two. That's amazing. They also I won the tiebreaker over Arizona. I guess that some of those were walk offs. The seven six was a walk off. That's interesting. I watched snippets of those games and was like, the Mariners are the better team. Uh, but the Reds yeah. won two out of three, and that's what matters. And I think the best team that they play the rest of the way are the Twins. Everybody else is below 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have such an easy schedule that I think that's going to matter a lot. And like I, wow. I said, they own they own tiebreakers matter. Lance is close. They own the tiebreaker over Arizona. I think with the Marlins, it then becomes an interdivisional record. So I think – uh, I think the Marlins would maybe have the edge there. I, I'd have to double check it um, in a tie-breaking scenario. Yeah, they're 18 and 25 versus the NL Central. The Marlins are 19 and 21. So that may be decided here in the next couple of weeks if you need the tiebreaker. Wait, for those the Marlins teams. are 19 and 21 against whom? Against the, the NL East. It NL becomes East? yeah. That's it becomes, that's the next tiebreaker. Is your yeah, record against your own division? Yeah, which I think is kind of ridiculous. Um, that is but yeah. weird. Yeah, that's a, so uh, that's in the Miami yeah. tie-breaking scenario. It's getting a little bit like in the World Cup group play. They're like, you know, how many goals? And then they're like, one of the one of the things is how many yellow cards did you have? <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a so, tiebreaker in soccer where it's like, if we've gone through everything, if you had fewer yellow cards than the other team, you go through. <laughs> yeah, so we both pick NL teams because we think that's probably still, I think, going to be uh, a little more interesting in terms of teams that keep flipping and flopping here. For the- All right. Well, we've got a little bit of an internet issue here to finish off. Uh, uh, but uh, we've got to go. Uh, and uh, uh, please visit the athletic. You can find uh, Brit's great reporting on the nationals. Uh, I believe it's a buck a month right now uh, on the athletic. Um, I've got a mailbag coming up this week and the next couple uh, weeks for you. Uh, and I've got a, a mailbag coming up this week. Uh, and then next week, I think I'm going to do a piece on Corbin Carroll, uh, and just how outstanding he is. So you can find us there for a buck a month. Um, you, and Britt, you have anything to say to sign off? I, I started the sign off because you were frozen. <laughs> <laughs> we're in disarray without DVR. Uh, no, That's thanks right. everyone for listening. To the three O show, it will be Eno and I back with you next week. Stay safe, watch lots of baseball, and have yourself a terrific rest of your week. You always got the green light here. Green light three O, and she's gone.